0: All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool, which I loved and I'm so excited to talk about. We talked about his film Possessor a couple years ago here on the show with film critic and awesome movie host Josh Bell, and Josh is back with us to talk Infinity Pool now, so, uh we got a great conversation coming up. And as always, I want to remind you to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media at Pod And join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. I also want to mention, uh, if you haven't heard the news yet, we have a live show coming up thursday february 23rd here in las vegas at maya cinemas we're going to be talking about cocaine bear after a screening of the movie uh it's going to be a really fun time i'm really excited for it we've got jason harris also from awesome movie here and also luella chavez and michael Keane joining us for the show it's going to be a great time i'm so excited about that movie and yeah, check the show notes. There's uh, links on information on how to get tickets, and we're going to be doing some giveaways soon uh, so you can win tickets as well. So uh, yeah, that's coming up February 23rd. So let's talk about Infinity Pool. All right, Josh Bell is back with us to talk Infinity Pool. We're getting back to Brandon Cronenberg after doing Possessor a couple of years ago. Josh, how's it going?
1: Ah, it's going well uh my clone has been filling in for me on other podcasts so um
0: yeah. well rested yeah i that that clone is uh it's it's really lost itself it's lost the thread a little <laughs> bit <It's, laughs> we uh, might have to put
1: it down <laughs> Yeah,
0: i think so uh yeah i i'm so excited to talk about this movie i know you liked it um obviously we, we've kind of joked already you know off mic that that i just absolutely love this movie um I wanted to say like first and foremost, I think part of the reason maybe that it worked so well for me is I didn't know anything about it. Like obviously I knew Brandon Cronenberg had a new film. I liked his previous two films. I really like Mia Goth. I really like Alexander Skarsgard. I didn't see a trailer. I did not know there was gonna be clones. I did not know what was I I, I had heard some, you know, uh comparisons to the recent maybe this will come up in our puzzle pieces the recent eat the rich and you know the 1% all that kind of stuff so I, I that's literally all i knew about the movie and so as it was unfolding i'm like oh wow this is this is great
1: yeah i mean i definitely knew more and i'm not one of these people who tries to remain unspoiled for stuff necessarily not that Mm -hmm. I was seeking out every detail but I I think I did see the trailer and had read a bit about what it was about so I I knew what was coming there with the clone not with everything that happened in the movie but with that sort of basic premise that it does take a little while to get to and if you don't know that it's coming you might not realize that it's going in this sort of sci-fi-ish direction. Although if you've seen other Brandon Cronenberg movies, you might guess that something sure. like that is going to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Everything's not going to be as it seems as it would be in one of these kinds of sci-fi movies. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm very excited to talk about it. We'll get into some of what goes on. Obviously, this will be a very spoiler-heavy uh, episode here uh, in getting to talk about some of what goes down on this island at this resort in Infinity Pool, but uh, let's start getting into some puzzle pieces here. What do you have for your first piece?
1: Well, I feel like I did this with Possessor, and I might as well just keep doing it and start with a David Cronenberg movie. I, I don't sure. On the one hand, I don't know if Brandon Cronenberg appreciates this, but he's very much inviting comparisons to his dad with all of his films, oh, yeah. so I don't think he'll mind. So, uh, the <laughs> the David Cronenberg movie that I thought of most for this one is Crash. Which uh, we covered mm-hmm. on Awesome Movie Year, and um, yeah. is is another movie uh, about a, a couple who are sort of exploring the edges of strange uh, activities, um, you know, sure. sexual potentially, and get drawn into this weird uh, underworld. In that case, it is the the car crash fetish world, and there's an alluring figure. That's the Elias Coteas character there, who kind of seduces them. Um, so I think there's a lot of parallels. Of course, here in Infinity Pool, Cleopatra Coleman's character eventually she's not having it. Right? She's yeah, she's out. She's out. Unlike in <laughs> in Crash, where both of them, uh, James Spader and Deborah Kara Unger, they're both like drawn into this weird subculture on maybe not quite equal levels, but definitely both getting into it. But I I think that's the idea of like you have so much and you've done so much that you have to go to further and further extremes of like sensation seeking in order to feel anything. And the characters in Crash are not, I mean, they're not poor, but they're not like ultra wealthy the way the characters here are. But they're definitely people who are comfortable and who are sort of bored with the normal course of life and need to shock their systems more and more. And there's certainly that, combination of sexuality and violence and where does one end and one begin um in that movie as well. Yeah,
0: and I you know like we talked about on awesome movie here when we did cover crash uh, I I still haven't gotten a chance to rewatch it since like way back you know 20 years oh, ago wow. or something like that because it, it's very difficult to find. I couldn't find it when we did the episode and uh, I'm hoping to get to rewatch it sometime soon. But to that point though like that's some of the stuff that I really liked about this movie is is it's something that like a lot of people they're going on social media and like this movie's so crazy, blah blah blah. And I, I don't think it's really that crazy. It's not it it's it's just that it's a, a subject matter that we don't really explore, at least not in this way ever. And I think it's it's so interesting. It's more of an idea movie. I know you know, it's, it's a little bit light on plot and I'm sure that'll come up as we're going through these puzzle pieces. But like, I think it's, it's exploring these kinds of ideas and these people who, you know, they, they need to feel something new, something to keep them alive and to get them like excited again. And so Crash seems like a really great puzzle piece from, from the little I remember of the movie. And of course, from our conversation on Awesome Movie Year of like, people that are also in that kind of situation
1: right I think there has since we did that episode been like a nice new blu-ray or 4k release of crash I want to say I'm gonna have to get that yeah Yeah. but it was I think I think at the time when we did the episode I had watched it on a a porn site possibly
0: so it was definitely a little
1: difficult to track down at that time but I think now there's a better way to watch it
0: Sure. Absolutely. Uh, I will go with... Um, my my puzzle piece list is all over the place here. Uh, I, I'm going to get this one out of the way, uh, which is probably too new to actually be a puzzle piece. I actually did hear an interview where Brandon Cronenberg said he had been starting this movie actually right after Antiviral and uh, didn't get a chance to make it because that movie wasn't exactly like a huge hit or anything. Uh, So this wouldn't have been an influence, but I do think that it was surprising, like I said, going into this, not knowing anything to find that we got another movie within a year of this sci-fi world. That's kind of not really super well explained where there are clones and the clones get killed. I thought of Riley Stern's duel, uh, which came out last year, which is also just like this really interesting idea where this girl ends up in a situation where she has to kill her own clone. And It doesn't necessarily take you too deep into the sci-fi of it and the mechanics of it and, you know, how does all this work and why did the world go in this direction? It's just you're dropped in and here's this kind of interesting story using that as as the setup. And uh, it's a really interesting setup and rather than using it for any kind of like... Action, sci-fi spectacle, or anything—it's uh, building these kinds of moral questions and all of the weirdness that comes out of that is what both of these movies, I think, had on their mind.
1: Yeah, I had that on my list too, and I really liked that movie a lot. I think when we did our half-year top ten for 2022, that was on my top ten list. And yeah, um, I, I like this movie definitely. I def- I think I liked Dual more. I really enjoy kind of Riley Stern's whole thing, and I thought sure. that movie was very fun. But, uh, yeah, and I think you also maybe retweeted, I saw on Twitter, that Riley Stearns, he was tweeting about this movie. Yeah, seen Infinity
0: it. Duel, he's uh, yes. more like Infinity Duel. Right. Yeah. right. So he he clearly uh, saw that connection, too. So, yeah, so that's fun. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, I, I really like Duel as well. It's a great movie, and uh, I... I'm always looking forward to Riley Stern's new stuff. So hopefully something's coming next year or something.
1: Yeah. But uh, yeah, what do you got for your next piece? So my next piece is a a movie that I saw again fairly recently after having not watched since it came out. I did a podcast guest appearance about this film. It is uh, Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the key things here, which is also a key theme in Eyes Wide Shut, is the difference between the rich and the incredibly rich and the idea that there is actually this really stratified, you know, difference where we've got Alexander Skarsgård in this film who is a, well, he seems at first, like maybe he's a successful author. And then we learn that maybe he's actually not a successful author, but he's comfortable. He's married rich, you know, he's married into this, this publishing family and he's comfortable. He's, doing fine but he's clearly not quite in that world even after having been married to his wife for 10 years yeah and that's a similar theme that we've got in eyes wide shut where you've got tom cruise's character who is this very successful doctor and his he makes a lot of money as a doctor and his clients are all these ultra wealthy people but he's sort of like the wealthy servant of the ultra wealthy you know sure and yeah. and so I think in both cases, it's these characters who think that they're being accepted by this this sort of upper echelon and they're going Mm -hmm. along with all sorts of weird stuff, whether it's, you know, Tom Cruise going to the crazy masked orgy and thinking he knows the password. And everyone's like, no, we are. We knew the second you arrived that you weren't supposed to be here. And, you know, yeah, you have sure. that here, too, where Alexander Skarsgård is like, oh, yeah, I'm one of you now because I, too, had my clone murdered for a, a crime. And we learn later on, like, no, they're just fucking with him. They they look sure. down on him. He's not one of them and he's not going to be one of them. So I think yeah. that's a very it's a weird distinction if you're not anywhere near one of those levels to realize that there are multiple levels at, in the 1% of the 1%, but it's there.
0: Yeah absolutely and i i think that that self-loathing of a character like that that like recognizes that he's not really one of them but is like just kind of along for the ride like that is it's almost like like being sick to allow like a worse infection in like it's just like he's so internally beaten down that he's going to allow these people to just turn him into this monster and like just like lose his soul completely in this story so it was also making me think of like the epstein type stuff and like you think to yourself like how do these people end up in you know those worlds of you know all those allegations and it's like maybe this is you know a very sci-fi version of like the first step to somebody working their way into that disgusting world you know but yeah, it's like definitely a character that you don't really see, and I, I just love the way it's put together in this sci-fi way. Yeah, great puzzle piece there, and um, I will take your eyes wide shut and go a clockwork orange for my next one, as long as we're talking Kubrick, we sure. might as well. Mia Goth and her little traveling band of misfits wearing masks and causing chaos and intimidating and belittling and breaking into homes and doing all kinds of violence and all kinds of unspeakable shit.
1: Seems like a pretty clear influence, I think. Yeah, I haven't seen that one in, in a while, but that certainly makes a lot of sense. And I think uh Yeah. You know, Anthony Burgess is an author, right, who wrote A Clockwork Orange had a lot of that like satirical sci-fi stuff, I think, in his work as well. Yeah. Although I haven't read the book. I'm just I'm just rampantly speculating. Yeah,
0: sure. Well, I mean, and and like like a lot of these kinds of uh films that we're talking about, like using these kind of genre things to, you know, explore some of the worst people in society right and uh i I think that that's that's like a uh a really interesting jumping off point to uh to get to these kinds of people and get to like what makes them tick to a little bit but uh in this movie then just kind of taking it even further off the deep end because that's
1: what brandon cronenberg seems to be interested in yes seems seems to be (laughs) the case indeed
0: So what do you got for your next piece? Well,
1: I think this is kind of continuing with my theme from Eyes Wide Shut. And so this is a movie I haven't seen in a long time, but um, I think this fits in here. And it's uh, Neil Abutes The Shape of Things with Paul Rudd and Rachel Weisz and another movie where this sort of outcast character, but not, you know, again, not a true outcast, but like, you know, someone who's gotten to the point of attending a prestigious college, but is still not in the 1% of the 1% or whatever, because of course there's even more pretentious people there. There's even richer people or whatever. So he's a bit awkward and seems to have gotten the attention of someone very cool and sophisticated and smart. And this is, you know, Rachel Weisz's character who seems to want to date him and takes him under her wing and kind of remolds his personality. And, and I'm going to spoil this whole movie because it is a big twist thing, but I mean, the mm-hmm. twist is kind of what's the key there. And what's key here as well is that this guy who thinks he has been accepted by this sort of elite group has been revealed that the entire time, no, they're just mocking him that he, he himself right. has been like this art project that she's been working on for the whole year or semester or whatever it is. And when she displays her art, it's, it's him and the way that she has like molded his entire personality to the way she wanted and how easily he was manipulated.
0: So, I mean, that's a big thing in the two thousands. Huh? People were mean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all these early Neil. I, I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to criticize early Neil Neil Labute, but they were very. He was very very uh, bold about just being incredibly misanthropic and and mean mm-hmm. and and he's I think lost some of that in his later films. But I remember loving that movie in part just because it was just so like these people are awful, you know, yeah, and unapologetic sure. about that
0: yeah, I don't remember if I've actually seen that. I, I remember the movie, but uh, I, I might have seen it back when it first came out, but yeah, the, those those kinds of movies where where people think that they're in and then they're not. Um, right yeah, that, that definitely fits there.. Yes, um, I will go with Midsummer. Might as well throw it in here. I mean, I, Brandon Cronenberg is kind of playing in a different world of horror than what you usually associate with, like, kind of the the A24 horror thing or whatever. But, you know, you're still using a lot of that kind of heavily stylized stuff and the trippy visuals and all that and the masks and this, like, world where you really can't be sure of anything that's going on in it. and. I felt like another thing about it is, like, the way that Midsommar tapped into, like, that fear of travel to, like, weird foreign places. And uh, I think both of these movies really... That's, uh, again, like, some of the things about going beyond the walls of this resort and, like, just knowing how dangerous it would be and, like, finding out about, like, all the rules and the fact that basically everything is punishable by death and, like, it, it just... It really plays into that fear of, like... Being a stupid barner who goes to a place and then gets in trouble for like being right, an idiot, right?
1: Yeah, you could imagine that the the, the Midsommar Village somehow existing uh, in this fictional country somewhere or whatever. Yeah, you know, <laughs> absolutely. But it's interesting though. It, like, I guess maybe in contrast to Midsommar, because the ultimate result there is that our protagonist is sort of embraced by the natives, and in this movie we mm. never really, other than the one inspector who seems like he's just sort of exasperated with them, like, oh, these people, again, they keep wanting to kill their clones. What the hell? But there's not really any repercussions related to that. We never really get to know or understand that the local culture or anything like that. And I imagine that's at least partially the point because it's like these characters don't give a shit as far as they're concerned. These aren't even human beings who live here, you know? (laughs) They don't need to care. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh
0: man. Uh, what do you have for your next piece?
1: Um well, I'm going to go with uh, another I'm going to spoil another movie that has a giant twist. I guess that's yeah. kind of what we're doing here. Related yeah, to related to here. clones being murdered and oh. there's it's this is not even necessarily the like main thrust of this movie, but it's what I always remember and that's Christopher Nolan's The Prestige and mm. which is a great movie and I haven't seen in a long time and there's a lot of twists related to uh, stage magic and all this stuff and doubles, not only the clones that get murdered, but characters who are twins and like all this sort of like, who is the real person and who is the the double and all that kind of stuff, which they play with a little bit here. I mean, the one character brings up the idea of like, oh, I wasn't sure. Am I really me or am I my clone? And then they kind of just laugh it off. But that's, yeah. that's in the background a little bit, at least. Um, But, you know, the idea and the prestige, the eventual reveal that the way that Hugh Jackman's character is pulling off this trick that seems impossible is that he's just literally cloning himself every time and then killing his own clone and doing it yeah. just for the sake of being a cool magician. And I mean I think that's <laughs> kind of here what they're doing too. Like they're killing sentient beings versions of themselves just cuz it's fun. Yeah, sure. And it, they seem to really
0: enjoy doing yes. it. And uh, they they come back every year to do it again apparently. Right. But um yeah, I haven't seen the Prestige since it first came out, but I mean, yeah, it, it's great and like The, the idea of, of like, I don't think that that's one of those twists that like, I don't think anybody saw coming at all because it doesn't even make sense like for that to be the twist, but then that's where it ends up going. And, uh, I think that's why it sticks out as like one of the better movies in like a Christopher Nolan's, uh, you know, his filmography because it's so daring and interesting and weird.
1: Yeah. I mean, I too haven't seen it in a long time, but I, I loved it at the time and I'm sort of mixed on Nolan as a whole. So. Hopefully it would,
0: yeah, h- would stand up. Yeah, I would I would hope so. Uh, I'll go with another recent movie that might be a little too new, but uh, we'll throw it on my list anyway. Uh, I'm going to go with Palm Springs, a movie that came out right around the same time as Possessor, I believe. Uh, but right in the middle of the pandemic and it was like this comedy that kind of, Took everybody by storm a little bit uh, with Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti uh, stuck in a time loop at this beautiful vacation resort, and uh, it kind of plays with the question of like, well, why would you want that to end? Because it's this beautiful resort. Why wouldn't you want to just be there all the time? But of course, without any kind of uh, you know stakes to anything, any any kind of uh, reason to to live your life in any kind of good way. You know, you you lose a big part of yourself, and things go bad, and that's kind of it's almost like the the darkest possible version of that very cheerful and light movie. <laughs> so it's uh, it's similar in that same way of people like losing themselves because of not having any consequences anymore.
1: Right, and it's weird too because I mean, in time loop movies in general, it's always the idea that there are no stakes. Right, you can die, it doesn't matter. You can do terrible things, and it all resets the next day. And I think we get that like at the end here, where they're leaving the resort finally, and that these people start talking about their boring, you know, logistical things about their maids and, you know, phone calls they have to return. But for a while, at yeah. least, it seems like there are really big stakes here. Right. I mean, and I mm. think that's part of what's interesting is that. Alexander Skarsgård gets caught up in the idea that like, this is incredibly scary and like horrible things are happening or could be happening and everyone else is just seeing it as like fun, consequence-free uh, romp or whatever.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that, I mean, that goes to the fact that they are though those the one percent of the one percent of the one percent i mean they are they're so rich that like nothing matters to them whatsoever and so Skarsgard is a stranger in their world and so for him there's still stakes but for them no they they, they don't give two shits right so, yeah what do you have for your next piece
1: uh, so I'm going to go with one. I'm going to give, uh, some credit here to my, uh, awesome movie year co-host, Jason Harris, who suggested oh. this, even though he's not actually seen these movies, but I have, so I feel like okay. I can include it. And, and that is the purge films. Okay. Which are on the one hand, as I was trying to tell him, I was like, well, I don't know. Cause it's the idea that there's like no consequences for anyone. Right. Crime mm. is legal for everyone, but especially in the later purge films, Um, I feel like the idea that even in those circumstances, the wealthy have a separate set of rules um, and they have they have the resources where they can go around and hunt people down for sport and murder them because they have like big cars and lots of guns and whatever else you might need to commit lots of murders and stay safe yourself. And so I think that dynamic plays out across the series, I don't think it's all that really effective necessarily. It's either extremely blunt or kind of mm. like muddled. And I don't really like these movies all that much, but I think sure. they're really like in a in a much more like basic horror action thriller kind of way, trying to hammer home that same point that no matter what, the wealthy, the 1% are going to find their own ways to have like separate standards for them. Yeah, I
0: mean, I... Those movies just never really appealed to me, but I think it definitely fits. And it, w- it would be the easiest uh, thing to try to get people into the theater to watch something weird like Infinity Pool is be like, you know, it's kind of like The Purge. Like, I think that that would be a good comparison that would, like, drive people into a movie like this. Uh, but then, you know whether or not they'd, they'd be okay with it getting as weird as it does, you know, maybe, maybe not so much, but uh, yeah, I, I think it definitely fits though as a piece. So uh, yeah, a good one, Jason yeah. Harris. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Yes. <laughs> I'll
0: go with a piece that might be a little uh, out of left field. I don't know for sure if this one will work, but to me it works. Um, and, and that's Paul Thomas Anderson's punch drunk Love because I was thinking about how Adam Sandler is just this guy, this kind of schmuck and he's just, Kind of sitting around feeling sorry for himself. And one day he's thinking, all these other people get away with this, you know, the phone sex thing. Like, why why can't I? You know, why can't I get away with this little thing? And then, of course, it goes horribly wrong. And he has to deal with all of the repercussions of making this phone call. And... uh It kind of reminded me of this very schmucky performance from Alexander (laughs) Skarsgård, who is very playing against, you know, certainly what he looks like, but against a lot of his types. Although he's kind of all over the place with his roles, but still, you know, this guy, he's like, you know, why not go spend some time with this supposed fan of mine? Why not uh, go outside of the walls? Why not end up in these sex orgies? Why not doing drugs? You know, it, like why not like continuing to like continue down this spiral and everything just goes completely wrong. And uh, so it reminded me of that that whole thing of of what uh, poor Adam Sandler uh, creates for
1: himself in Punch Drunk Love. All right, I, I, you know, I haven't seen that movie in so long that I, all the things you're describing happening in it, I didn't even remember. So you don't even remember. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. If you ask Fair me, enough. what is the plot of Punch Drunk Love? I, I would not be able to tell you. Yeah, well, I
0: mean, it is kind of all over the place, but
1: yeah. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of things that happen in the right? Movie. And I remember, and yeah. I mean, I remember not liking it because I, I tend not to care for Sandler even in dramatic roles, and I'm think like Nolan, I'm mixed on on PTAs. So the movies of his I like, I like a lot, but a lot of his movies just don't do anything for me. And that was one of them. But mm. clearly I have no good memories of it. So yeah, check it Not out again. Maybe.
0: What do you got for your next piece?
1: So um, speaking of Mia Goth in this film, I thought of Suspiria, the remake which Mia Goth appears in. And you could go with the original Suspiria as well. Sure. Throw both of these in. There's definitely some Giallo influence going on here, especially with the colors and the, sure. the gels, the filters that 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 Jason, uh, my co-host Jason Harris, seems to be uh, not a fan of or feels like are. You know, uh, and, and he's not alone. A lot of people have been pointing
0: those out as being uh, like obvious, I guess, or whatever. But you
1: know, right. And uh, I, I mean, I think that's something that the Giallo's do, and and also the the sort of unreality of like. What is the plot and ha- what is happening? Kind of thing as 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 it goes further along. Something that seems at first to be sort of a straightforward, almost like mystery story, turns into this mm-hmm. like surreal, phantasmagorical thing. And especially, I think, in the remake of Suspiria, which it gets it gets much more crazy out there. But you know, again, these are characters who seem sort of naive at first and that are drawn into this. Elite world. In that case, it's like the the ballet academy, and where they are also witches. And you have the character Dakota Johnson's character in in that in the remake film, who seems kind of innocent and nice at first. But once she's offered the opportunity to get into this world of of sinister witches, she's all for it. And I think that's oh, kind of yeah. what we have with with Alexander Skarsgard in this film. And and the other thing that might or might not connect to not the remake but to to old giallo films. And I don't know if this was just my screener or my perception of it, but to me it seemed like some of the blood in this film looked like unnaturally bright red. Like it was also very watery. Yeah. It, it was it was definitely interesting the way they did the blood. I don't yeah. know if that was spe- influenced particularly by Giallo films, or I mean, just generally films in like the 70s use different a different kind of fake blood. And you can read like all like investigations into this and you watch a lot of movies from that era, especially low budget movies, and the the blood just looks like red paint. And mm-hmm. I wonder if he what? was going for some level of like, you, you're meant to wonder how real this looks or is supposed to be. So that that, I mean, that might be a stretch for me there.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, maybe, maybe not, but overall, though, Suspiria is a great piece, though, and and I really like that about uh, the the Dakota Johnson character, like just like once she's in, like hell yeah, right. I'm, I'm into all this. So yeah, that, that's a, that's a great one there. I like that a lot. I'll go over my next piece. I'm gonna go Fight Club for my next piece. Um, basically, you know, and this is maybe uh, reading. Mia Goth and her little crew of people uh, in a more positive light, which I don't know that I necessarily believe. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I'm not sure I'm with maybe... you on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't necessarily believe that, but uh-huh. uh, just looking at it in that way, um, I, I I it's almost like they're trying to get Skarsgård to rock bottom so he can build himself back up and like live his fullest possible potential. And uh, so it's a little bit of Project Mayhem with all the disaster shit that they're 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 doing on that island, but, uh, and, and, and just killing people, causing destruction and a little bit of just building him back up from ground zero. So, uh,
1: a little bit of fight club maybe. Yeah. All right. But you know, Tyler Durden is the villain of fight club also, right? (laughs) Yes, of course. I know that. Uh, yeah. A lot of people don't think that, but they are wrong.
0: Those people would be very
1: wrong. Yes. Yeah. I, (laughs) I, 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 I would be terrified to meet people who genuinely think that, like, Mia Goth is the hero of this movie and that she's admirable yeah. or something. Well, I'm sure somebody out there thinks I'm sure that, you're so. right,
0: yes. So I guess that's a piece for yeah, them, sadly. but uh, what do you got for your next piece?
1: Well, I guess, I mean, I might as well use this, and this is kind of an obvious one, but it's Eli Roth's Hostel and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Hostel Part 2. I've actually never
0: seen those movies, but I I, I know Stupid Americans... Do stupid things yeah
1: the yeah they do and i don't i haven't seen them in a while and and they're not necessarily good or even great sadly the most recent one i've seen is Hostel part three which eli roth has nothing to do with and is set here in las vegas which is why i watched it and it's just a really <laughs> oh. even though almost none of it was shot here and uh, uh is there even a hostel in las vegas i don't know I I, yeah wonder. there are there are hostels there's one on las vegas there boulevard is? definitely so okay yeah cool. But uh, no, don't see Hostile Part Three, and in, furthermore, in the Hostel Part Three, I think doesn't it really loses the whole concept. But mm. I mean, the idea in in that movie, if I remember correctly, is sort of an inverse in a way of this because it is the ultra wealthy sort of torturing people for fun. But the ultra wealthy are the like Eastern Europeans, and the people being mm. tortured are the stupid Americans. So, okay. they're not necessarily rich. I don't think they're just idiots on vacation and they get caught up in this world. Um, but it is the idea of going to some foreign place and and like you were saying, whether it's in Midsommar or in this movie where if you deviate from the path that your like tour guide has told you to go on, you could end up in some sort of horrifying scenario that oh, you yeah. don't understand because you're not familiar with the local culture or you don't speak the language or whatever, and probably you're not going to get tortured or cloned or whatever, <laughs> but, but that there's Maybe. a feeling there that it could happen. So, yeah. you know, I think this is a hostile is the very like sort of uh unsophisticated take on something <laughs> like this.
0: Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought it up because like I said, I haven't seen them, but I, I certainly had thought about it as, as a possibility here. And I, I feel like it's one that like had to be Uh, you know, an actual on the mind of, of writing this story, you know? Right. So, uh, yeah. So good, good piece there to include for sure. You know, another obvious one, uh, that this comparison has been made a hundred times. We kind of hinted at it in the beginning, but the white Lotus TV show, again, like rich people going to like a beautiful vacation, uh, and just losing themselves, like just Totally, uh, you know, losing anything that that makes them good people in the process. And uh, this could have been, like, the most, you know, fucked up season of The White Lotus that Mike White would ever make. So, uh, and this show is great. And uh, this has been, like, a big thing lately with, uh, you know, rich people uh, doing terrible things on beautiful vacation spots. Like happening a lot.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's I don't know. I, I, I kind of left out any of those. I haven't watched The White Lotus, so I, I can't you know, I felt like I couldn't bring that up. But I've seen some of the other stuff related to that recently. And I, I just kind of left it all out of my list. But certainly it is a it's a trend going on right now. And I, I think this yeah. movie does a little more, even though it's commentary about the wealthy isn't necessarily more substantial or sophisticated than some of those other movies. I feel like it has more to offer just with the sci-fi horror concept rather than just a straightforward, like, here are rich people and don't they suck kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, but I should probably watch The White Lotus someday.
0: And I think that it's also entirely possible to watch this movie. And even though it's a trend right now and it's on people's minds and not even notice that, like to not even think about that, like to just see it as this ultra violent sci-fi movie about. People get clones and kill the clones. Like, that's it. And you could watch it either way. So, right. Yeah.
1: Right. That is, that so, is true. I will say, um, I did enjoy the Black Lotus sketch on Saturday Night Live. So, I didn't see that. That's all is I had new... to contribute there. <laughs> okay. I'll have to watch that later. Right on. What do, what do you have next? So, what do I have next? Oh, this is a movie that I, I actually, I really like this movie. It's this a movie I think that not a lot of people saw from a filmmaker who, well, I really liked. For a little while, um, anyway, it's okay. called it's called Piercing from Nicholas Pesci, who or Pesh, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but he made a couple movies. The Eyes of My Mother was his first film, and then this movie, Piercing, and that I just think are really amazingly bold, stylistic horror films. And then he made a crappy remake of The Grudge, so hopefully he'll do something good next. But anyway, Piercing is the movie that I'm talking about here, and. This gets into this sort of going back to Crash, maybe the like sex fetish of violence. You know, the idea Mm -hmm. in Piercing is the main character played by Christopher Abbott basically is like a serial killer in waiting. You know, he has these serial killer desires. And in order Mm -hmm. to prevent himself from killing like his wife and child as he feels those urges, he decides he's going to hire a prostitute in a hotel and kill this prostitute. But Mm. the prostitute that he hired doesn't show up. And the replacement prostitute is just as hot for violence as he is. Uh, Played just so well. Mia Wasikowska is so, so good in this movie. And it's just this weird dance between the two of them where they're not saying anything, but the whole time they're both implying, like, let's have sex and also murder each other. like, And they're just kind of dancing around it the whole time. It's just a beautiful, like, the colors are, are just like eye-popping. It's one of these movies where the sets and stuff look very deliberately artificial. And I don't know. I just think it's a really, really effective. It's very funny, like darkly funny. And I think, I don't know if it's on Netflix now. It was for a long time, but if it isn't, you should watch it wherever it is, uh, listeners of Piecing It Together, because it's a great movie and it does connect to Infinity Pool 2.
0: Yeah, I, I think it, it definitely makes sense. I haven't seen it. I think I remember you mentioning it on like one of our top 10 episodes. Like, Oh, uh, yeah. I think it was ago. my like number two movie of
1: the year, whatever year it came out.
0: Okay. Now, now I'm finally going to get around to it because that really did sound <laughs> great back then. It sounds great now. Yeah, um, yeah I'm definitely going to have to watch that. It sounds awesome. Uh, I'll go with my final puzzle piece here and uh, another out there puzzle piece, but uh, I'm going with Wet Hot American Summer. Um, and my reason is because of the classic going-into-town montage segment when uh, the counselors decide to get away from camp for a minute and go into town to go buy a few things, and it turns into this debaucherous orgy of drugs and sex and alcohol and rock and roll and violence and criminal activity. And then at the end, they just go back to camp like nothing ever happened. And that's basically the ending of Infinity Pool in a nutshell. So
1: Yeah, I feel like in a weird way, with some slight adjustments, this could have been like a David Wayne-directed, like, weirdo comedy <laughs> right am I wrong yeah about that? I mean it's
0: it's definitely a weird enough premise for sure like it can go in any direction so I could
1: totally see that yeah <laughs> well do you have any other puzzle well features? I was holding this one because I thought you would bring it up because it's one of your favorite movies but maybe I'm wrong about it but it's uh climax the Gaspar Noe film I do love climax. I'm glad you brought it up. And, Go for it. And I hate it, but I think the <laughs> yeah. sort of psychedelic... The, the climax is like if the psychedelic orgy scenes in this movie were just the whole movie. And I find it so incredibly annoying and tedious and whatever. But I, I definitely think that that sort of psychedelic... uh, You know, they take drugs and they're having sex and, and, the, and the sex, which is like almost like it's not just primal or whatever. It's it's like scary sex, you know, right? Mm-hmm. They're not just sure. having sex because it's fun and enjoyable. They're like, you know, sort of throwing themselves violently into these sexual yeah. acts without even being able to control themselves or sure. whatever, and not really inti- entirely knowing what's going on or whatever. So also a very, very sexually explicit film. And I, And I will say, I think you and I saw different cuts of this film, of Infinity. Okay.
0: Pool, because you, you the and I. the NC 17? I saw it in the theater, yeah.
1: Right. And I saw a press screener, which was the NC 17 cut. So there are. Ooh. I'm not sure exactly what all was cut, but I know there's some sexual. Very explicit sexual things that were cut from the R-rated yeah. version.
0: Well, definitely Alexander Skarsgård's penis, I believe. So, yes, yeah. there
1: is a close-up of his penis ejaculating in this oh. in the NC-17 cut. That's not. Wow. Well, hopefully that NC-17 unrated cut hits the store. Yeah. Soon. You gotta you gotta rewatch it for that, right? Absolutely. But uh, yeah,
0: climax, great piece to uh, to include. I, I'm happy you did, and I would I would maybe even throw Enter the Void in there as well, uh, because yeah, I mean a lot of that just. Gaspar Noe like just really throwing everything at the screen all at the same time and uh you know disorienting you in all kinds of ways and uh that's something that Cronenberg seems to be like you know as much as he can be compared to his father in a lot of ways with a lot of the stuff that he does I think uh that's kind of his thing. Is It's just making these very weird, abrasive visuals that are used in the process of exploring some really interesting sci-fi ideas. I mean, I think that's kind of all three of his movies. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think... But not as abrasive. I mean, I've only seen Climax, and and I had such a strong negative response that I've not made an effort to see more Gaspar Noé films. But uh-huh. um, I, I, my impression is that Cronenberg is not nearly as abrasive deliberately no. as Noé is. Yeah, nobody is. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, do you have any other pieces? Or is that I mean, know, I have uh, a bunch more one? clone movies I could name if you. Yeah. If you You want to go through those? or You uh, want to speed round a few clone movies? Sure. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of comedy, there is Multiplicity, the Michael Keaton (laughs) movie where he clones himself and exploits his clones to do stuff for him. There you go. It's got some thematic connections there. Why Um, not? I also thought of uh, the Michael Bay film, The Island, where Mm. uh, Scarlett Johansson and uh, Ewan McGregor are clones who have been raised in this environment because you wonder you never really see the perspective of the clones in sure. this movie yeah. and I wondered a couple of times when it cuts to like Alexander Skarsgård waking up and actually I take it back because there is a moment where you do see that where it fakes out and you see all the characters like in the prison cell and they're like oh we're we're just gonna you're gonna face consequences this time and you're gonna get murdered and for a second you think oh shit they really got murdered but then we yeah. switch
0: back they straight up trick the audience like that was a real funny moment for sure right. like yeah it disgusting, was disgusting
1: but funny yeah <laughs> And so, you know, that movie is all from the perspective of the clones and like, what do they experience and what they've been told or whatever. Um, and of course, it turns out much better for the clones in that movie, because it's a big Michael Bay action movie, and they escape and they fight people and whatever. And that doesn't happen here.
0: <laughs> the The island has a lot of uh, moral implications on its mind, just like... Oh, yeah. Does. Michael
1: Bay, definitely yeah. one of the top filmmakers <laughs> for exploring moral dilemmas of our time. Yes. <laughs> Of course, definitely. with lots of product placement. that was the other thing <laughs> I remember mainly about that movie is the insane amount of product placement in this like secret clone facility <laughs> ridiculous. Um, oh, I, love them. I love them and <laughs> and lastly, actually, the movie that has like essentially the exact same premise, which is done so much better, which is uh, "Never Let me Go" by Mark Romanek, which is also about clones who've been grown for the express purpose of having their organs harvested by the ultra rich and yeah, sure the lives that they live and they do not get to escape in a giant Michael Bay action sequence, but instead are just uh, very sad. Um, Yes. But that's a great movie. That's like, (laughs) you know, I'm joking about it, but that's a really good movie. So uh, those are, I'm sure I could just keep, uh, those are the clone movies I thought of.
0: Those are all very good clone movies, so I, I'm, I'm very I'm very glad you brought them all up. So uh, I'll read down our finished puzzle list, and we'll get into some closing thoughts here. Uh, we talked about Crash, Duel, Eyes Wide Shut, A Clockwork Orange, The Shape of Things, Midsommar, The Prestige, Palm Springs, The Purge, Punch Drunk Love, Suspiria, Fight Club, Hostel, The White Lotus, Piercing, Wet Hot American Summer, Climax, Multiplicity, The Island, and Never Let Me Go. Uh lots of weird shit all smashed together into a, a very interesting movie. Uh any any closing thoughts, anything that we didn't quite get to while we were uh, talking puzzle pieces here?
1: I mean, I think I've really exhausted my uh my thoughts here. <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah. you know, we also talked a bit about this on our awesome movie year episode about antiviral. Check that out. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. so I yeah, I I enjoyed this film. I think not as much as you did, but I I thought it was really fun and weird and interesting. And I'm still intrigued. I feel like Brandon Cronenberg is still maybe not quite at the like final level of what he could do. Like this film is not quite there for me necessarily, but I feel like he's really building up great momentum and I'm, I'm really interested to see where he goes from here. Um, yeah,
0: I, I think it's, it's an interesting place because he, he's clearly an idea guy. Like, I, I think that that's, part of what I like so much about this movie is that it's an idea like stretched as far as it could possibly go on, you know, this kind of budget and this kind of, uh, you know, movie making really. I mean, these kind of movies, even though this is in fairly wide release right now at the time of recording, which is insane for a movie like this, yeah, these, really kind of, these kind of movies just don't really like get out there in that way. So I, I think he's kind of hampered a little bit by what he can do. And I, I do think that we're going to see even better stuff if, these movies can you know get seen and like i said i mean i'm i'm three for three with them i really like all three of these movies
1: yeah i like them too i i think possessor was my favorite but um i do think they're all really good and i hope that he doesn't uh you know take a job directing a marvel movie or something like that <laughs> yeah. that uh he's got he's got the family money one hopes that dave uh that david cronenberg has saved some pennies or whatever that he can pass along and yeah. so brandon doesn't need to do uh the grudge remake or whatever like nicholas pesch did um yeah and uh and we'll see we'll see where things go for him Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, I think that does it for Infinity Pool. Josh, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners?
1: Yes, a movie that is incredibly different from Infinity (laughs) Pool. That is a very small scale, naturalistic, mumblecore, coming of age comedy. (laughs) That I just absolutely loved. It's on Mubi right now. It's called Actual People. It is the debut feature from Kit Zohar, who is the writer and director and star of it and made it for like $10,000 while she was a college student in New York City. And it is a, yeah, it's a coming of age story. It's I, for me... Even at age 43, I still have this strong identification with these movies about people graduating from college and trying to figure out what to do with their lives. And so Mm -hmm. that's what it is. She plays this character who's in her final weeks of college and she sees her friends are making plans for jobs or grad school and she doesn't know what to do with herself and she's just broken up with her long term boyfriend. And it's funny and it's insightful about that period of life and also about that particular generation Um, and it's very much in the vein of like uh, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach stuff like Francis Ha or going back to like Kicking and Screaming from Noah Baumbach uh, or Lena Dunham's work, uh, things like that. So if you're into that stuff and Mumblecore, um, if it weren't for... I had written about this recently in my VOD column and then I discovered that it had opened in like one theater in New York City for one week at the end of 2022. And if it weren't for that, this would be a total candidate for my number one movie of 2023 already. So. Hey,
0: I I made Francis Ferguson my number one movie of 2020. So you can do whatever the hell you want at this point. We're... We'll
1: see where it ends up at the end of the year. But either way, it's really great. And if you have Mubi, um, I think it's there exclusively, but definitely watch it. It's called Actual People.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to have to check it out. Maybe I'll make it my number one. We'll see what happens.
1: But, uh... <laughs> who knows? <laughs> uh Josh, tell us what's going on on Awesome Movie Year. Well, like I said, we've had a discussion of Brandon Cronenberg on Awesome Movie Year. That episode is out about to come out I don't know you told me the schedule and then I forgot already but
0: yeah it'll be next week actually all so right next week kind of perfect yeah look of, for that Cronenberg yeah.
1: part of our uh recently launched season on the films of 2012 we had finished up 1953 so we are traveling lightning speed forward in time to 2012 and that's the great thing about awesome movie year the range of time periods that we talk about in film history. So, uh, yeah, listen to our antiviral episode for some more thoughts on Infinity Pool too. Awesome. And where can people find that? Oh yeah, maybe try to find it at awesomemovieyear.com <laughs> at uh Awesome Movie Year on Facebook and Instagram, Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and wherever you listen to podcasts, just get it wherever you listen to this podcast.
0: Yeah, definitely. It'll 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 pop up and yeah. it's in the show notes. So
1: yeah. There know. you go. Yes.
0: Well, Josh, uh, as always, great having you here, and uh, look forward to next time.
1: Can't wait. I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harris, and we co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years, and we pick out why they were such great years for films we go over the biggest hits the biggest flops the best pictures, and some personal picks some cult classics years we've covered in past seasons include 1994 2003 1977 and 1984 and we've got all of film history to look forward to so check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts All right, so I hope you
0: enjoyed that conversation about Infinity Pool. If you enjoyed that one, make sure to go back and check out Possessor. Like I said, Josh joined me on that one a couple years ago. Great episode. So go listen to that. And like we mentioned, next week over on Awesome Movie Year, we actually have a conversation for... We just started the, the year of 2012, and we always do a uh, a film from a notable first-time filmmaker in that particular year that we're covering. And it just so happens Brandon Cronenberg's Antiviral came out that year. So next week on Awesome Movie Year, you'll want to check out that antiviral conversation. Uh, it's a really fun one. So, uh, for a really weird movie, but, um, yeah, check that out as well. Of course, make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what we do here on the show, drop a five-star rating. We would appreciate that. Uh, you can also follow us on social media at Piecing Pod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And don't forget about our Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, from Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. Uh, lots of great stuff over there. It's patreon.com slash Uh Check it out if you want to uh, support the show. Don't forget about our live show coming up. There is a link in the show notes with more information about the show. And uh, it's going to be February 23rd. I hope to see all of you there. And let's close this out with a piece of music like we always do. And at first I was thinking my song from my most recent album more content antiviral is obviously, you know, the obvious choice here for a Brandon Cronenberg movie. But actually I was thinking I haven't played anything in a while from the soundtrack album The Dissection Table that I put out in 2021. And this is a film which like I said back when I first put this soundtrack out, this is a film you may never get to see i don't know but uh the themes of the movie though definitely deal with a guy who is just completely losing himself to violence and all of his worst tendencies and so i thought this would fit in well uh as far as thematically with infinity pool so let's go with a track from the dissection table soundtrack uh i think i'll go with the title track the dissection table so we'll play that and i hope you enjoy it and we'll be back with more piecing it together real soon